What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Up Before You podcast with me, Connor Warman. I want to take a moment to thank you all for taking the time out of your busy lives to listen to this show. Whether it's your first time or your 70th time listening, thank you for tuning in. If you like the show, please share with family and friends. And, as always, if you don't like the show, please share with me. If you have a moment, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating, write a little review, and hit that subscribe button. Lastly, go follow Up Before You on Instagram and Facebook and visit upbeforeyou.com to keep up with all the latest episodes, news, and updates surrounding the show. Thank you. My guest today is Allison Scuds. Allison is a former competitive cheerleader from the University of Miami where she studied biochemical engineering. After her competitive cheerleading career was over, she found CrossFit and got competitive pretty quickly in the sport. Allison has numerous CrossFit regional appearances, including a 7th place finish in 2017. Now, Allison is working towards her goal of making it to the CrossFit Games, and I believe that 2020 will be the year where she breaks through and punches her ticket to Madison. And with all that being said, let's get on with the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Connor. Yeah. So, so. this is this is my first ever podcast, so I don't really. Um, yeah. This, this is your first ever explore. podcast, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm surprised <laughs> by that. Yeah. All right. So, you can you tell me about yourself growing up in your childhood? Sure. Yeah, I was. Um, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and I did competitive all-star cheerleading for pretty much my whole life, um, starting at. Probably, I think I was nine or ten. And um, if you're not familiar with that, it's basically you travel around. You're part of a team that's outside of school. It's not like football or basketball cheerleading, um, but you're part of a team that um, travels around, and then you you perform like a routine, um, and you compete against other teams, and then you get judged, and then that's kind of how the competition goes. There's of course, a bunch of different age groups, divisions, skill level, thing like that. And so I did that all growing up. And uh, when I was in high school, I played a bunch of other sports too. I did uh, golf, track, gymnastics, uh, tennis. Um, so I was kind of like all around athlete mm-hmm. in high school. And I actually also graduated my high school as the valedictorian. Oh, cool. And so I was also really into school. Super involved in, like, every club imaginable, you know, drama club, choir. I did band in middle school. So just, like, all around um, just loved doing things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, when I graduated high school, it was um, basically my childhood dream to compete in this program um, for competitive cheerleading. Uh, It was down in Miami. It's called Top Gun All-Stars. And they're basically one of the best programs that you could best teams that you could be on in the sport of competitive cheerleading. And they were down in Miami, Florida. So I tried out for their team, made the team and then also decided to go to school when I was down there. So I um, moved down in 2011 and was on top gun all stars. And then also was attending the university of Miami. Cool. So the U, right? The U. Yeah. How was that? 
It was incredible, honestly. I It was the only college that I applied to because mm-hmm. I knew my the main reason why I went down there was to be on Top Gun. And but I went I did a college campus visit and um, it's so beautiful. I don't know if you've ever been to the campus, but it's a huge garden. It's very small, like just so, so beautiful. Mm. And I just got a really good energy from from the campus. And I was like, yep, this is where I want to live and this is where I want to go to school. So I kind of put all my eggs in one basket Mm. I know I had a pretty strong, you know, academic background, um, but the University of Miami is a really good school, too, mm-hmm. so I, like I said, that was the only school I applied to, and luckily made it in, made Top Gun's team, so it was kind of like everything was falling into place, mm-hmm. but once I, I did one season at Top Gun, so that would have been 2011 to 2012 when I was a freshman. I was basically felt like I had fulfilled my dream. I would have really liked to win the cheerleading uh, world championship. We didn't win that year. Um, So that was the only thing that I was like maybe holding on to. But at that point, I was kind of ready to move on to other things in my life. I was getting really connected into my school and had a lot of friends and things going on there. And I was studying biomedical engineering. And so that was like a really rigorous class load. Um, so I just decided to retire after that one year, one season on Top Gun and just really focus on school. Gotcha. So is the University of Miami is like in the city or where is it? No, it's, it's south of, of downtown Miami, I guess you would say. Um, it's actually in the city Coral Gables. Okay. So it's about probably like 15 miles south of downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in a small, it's a, not like, um out in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. by any means, but it's definitely secluded. The campus is, like I said, pretty small. There's no, like, through roads, so you can't go from, like, drive from one end of the campus to the other. There's some that you can, like, kind of come in and park, but it's a really unique campus in that way. So it's like a walking campus, I guess, what they call yeah, it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, okay. And I grew up in Columbus, so, you know, I, I lived really close to uh, the Ohio State University, mm-hmm. which is the complete opposite. It's, like, massive, like, right in the middle of downtown. It's, like, yeah. spread out across, like, all these uh, streets. So it was a really nice experience. Now, is, like, the competitive cheerleading that you were doing, is that, like, the big teams of, like, guys and girls? And you do, like, a big yeah. routine and then you get judged on that? Yeah, correct. So there's a bunch of different divisions. I At Top Gun, I was on a, a co-ed team, so it was 12 guys and 12 girls. Uh, we were level five, which is kind of considered the highest level, even though there is a level six. That The divisions get really confusing, and I think uh, even within the last seven years, I guess it would have been, they've changed even more. Uh, but that year, I was competing um, in the international open co-ed level five that was like the the official division name i did a few years of all girl when i was a little bit younger but then once i started to get older the um i was on mostly co-ed teams Mm -hmm. so like what do you get judged on in those competitions there there's a lot of things so every routine is two minutes and 30 seconds exactly uh there's a bunch of different components there's like uh dance there's stunts basket toss pyramid and just like transitions and just kind of like overall feel Mm -hmm. and then it's just like any other judge sport you get a score for your difficulty so how hard are the skills that you're performing in each of those categories and then 
you get another score for how you executed. So there's always kind of that fine line of trying difficult, you know, high skill um, movements versus things that are a little bit more safer that you know you can execute perfectly. So, like, what did you do? Were you like, did they like throw you in the air? Yeah, I was a flyer. Oh, cool. Um, so I did that, and then I did I did tumbling too. I wasn't like the best tumbler, um, but. You know, I was kind of pretty well-rounded. So then when you stopped cheerleading, what did you do next? Like, in terms of, like, athletics and fitness, I guess. Yeah, so I had been, like I said, I was basically a lifetime athlete. Cheerleading was kind of my main thing, but I was always involved in other sports. And actually, when I was in, when I was a senior in high school, I started doing, like, fitness, you know? Like, working out in the gym and running and stuff like that. And so once I retired from cheerleading, I... I started doing that more because I had more free time, and I just uh, was kind of, to be honest, a little bit bored with it. You know, mm-hmm. I was I liked doing fitness and I liked being active, but I didn't really. I was missing that kind of goal or something to train for. So I was used to having that season and and progressions and building up and preparing for these big competitions. And then that was kind of gone. Um, so I was definitely felt like I was missing something. I was essentially doing CrossFit without knowing I was doing CrossFit, yeah. you know, just kind of like high intensity interval, like functional movements. I didn't ever really do any Olympic lifting before um, CrossFit, but I would do like deadlifts, squats, presses, stuff like that. And I would, I would mix in some, like, cheerleading movements, you know, like, plyometrics and just, like, stuff like that. And uh, was kind of just trying to find my, my thing. Um, I took some spinning classes, some Zumba classes, boot camp classes. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, shortly after that, after retiring, though, probably, like, s- six months later, I, that's when I found CrossFit. How, like, how'd you find it? Um, I became a resident assistant at the University of Miami, and okay. one of my friends who was also a resident assistant, Dylan Militsky, I don't know if you know him, um, he's now an MC for like all the CrossFit games and a okay. bunch of different events, mm-hmm. uh, but we were we became really good friends because we were both RAs, and then he was like, oh, you should try out CrossFit sometime, Like, you seem like it would mm-hmm. be right up your alley, so it was actually right... Uh, the time of Wadapalooza in January. Uh, this would have been 2013. And he was like, I'm, my, my box is hosting this competition. Come check it out and see like what you think. Like It should be fun. So I went and immediately was hooked. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, so I hadn't even done like a proper CrossFit class or been to a CrossFit gym, but I knew right away that I wanted to compete in CrossFit and at the time, like, I didn't really, cons- you know, compete. Obviously, CrossFit had been around for quite some time, but it wasn't really as mainstream and known that people were, like, full-time athletes and mm-hmm. things like that. So I was like, oh, yeah, I want to do this, and I want to go to these competitions and do this. So that's kind of what I did. <laughs> yeah. So did you notice, like, did cheerleading, like, prepare you at all? Like, did any movements or anything come easy to you because of that? Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, I felt like pretty much... Every movement kind of came easy yeah. <laughs> for me, you know. Like I don't, I don't want to sound like arrogant, uh-huh. but I, I was definitely able to pick up things really fast because I think the biggest thing for people who come from cheerleading or dance or something that is heavy on body awareness, you're you're able to be coached a lot easier, and you understand 
when the coach says, do this, you're like, okay, I know how to, I understand what that means and I can do it. So, um, and obviously I had a background of fitness. So, you know, I knew how to jump and I knew how to deadlift and squat and things like that. But as far as the higher skill movements, I felt like I could learn them very fast just because it was like, okay, you know, jump and then get your elbows under for Mm -hmm. the clean. Like, okay, I know what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely coming into it, even though I, I did consider myself pretty fit coming into CrossFit, I definitely lacked a lot of upper body strength, uh, like most women do coming in. Um, you know, I didn't, I wasn't like a person who had a muscle up on the first day. It yeah. was like, I probably could have had the skill to do it, but I was nowhere close to the the strength and kind of stability that was required for that. Now, were you thinking, like, being competitive is like getting to the games, like, from the beginning? I don't think I really had a full grasp of, like, how it all worked. Like mm-hmm. I said, I, I literally went to Wadapalooza. I was like, this is sick. I want to do this. <laughs> but I, I didn't know, like, the Open and the regionals and whatever, so... Um, I don't think at the beginning I was necessarily, I want to go to the CrossFit Games because I don't even think I knew what the CrossFit Games were, but definitely very shortly after I started competing and kind of like understanding that road, I remember like actually talking to Dylan and it was like the Open was coming up and I was like, so when do people like start training for the open or like I didn't really even understand it he's like oh they're like training year round and so that was like really Mm eye-opening so so you trained with Noah Olsen for a while right in Miami yeah I mean we were at the same uh gym Mm -hmm. and all of us were kind of friends him and Dylan are the ones that actually kind of started the CrossFit club at peak which was for University of Miami students so they, we were all like, you know, friends. I took a, I had a couple classes with them, and um, so we we all knew each other. And that was, you know, kind of also when Noah was really getting in and becoming super competitive too. Now, did you go to Peak to train with him, or was it like completely by accident? It was completely by accident. Oh, like wow. we just happened to go to mm-hmm. the same school, and yeah. and it was affiliated with that gym. But yeah, it was pretty. I didn't know who he was. We, I actually, it's kind of funny. I have. Um, a funny story of like we were me and Noah were both in um, in Greek life, and I remember I was like just starting to get into CrossFit and and fitness and stuff like that. And one of my friends was like, "Oh my uh, my roommate, he's like really into fitness. Like he's just like this short, stocky, like <laughs> super jacked guy." And I ended up like meeting him at some mixer or something, and um, and then we we you know, became friends after that. And obviously we were working out at the same gym. And so we've developed a really close friendship. And then um, what was the first year you went to regionals? Um, I went on team in 2015. And I actually, uh, Peak had a team in 2014 as well, which I technically uh, would have been on, but I wasn't able to go because of my RA position. Um, It was right, regionals was right during uh, closing. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, right after all the students move out and they require you to, like, stay and close the building and, you know, do a bunch of things. And it was actually kind of this dramatic thing that, like, I, in the moment, you know, you're like, this is my first shot at regionals and, like, I want to go so bad. And, 
But at the same time, it was basically I would have been risking my position as an RA, and mm-hmm. I still had another year um, in in college, and I was really relying on that like free housing and because yeah. <laughs> uh, I paid for like my schooling. I'm still paying for it, but uh, paying it all by myself. So I was like, all right, I need to uh, save as much money yeah. as I can, <laughs> especially going to a school like UM. Uh-huh. Um, so I was kind of like. Yeah, regionals will still be there next year, and yeah. I was obviously still just getting into the sport. Yeah. Um, so 2015 official first year as a team, and then 2016 was my first uh, individual appearance. So what was it like your first time in 2016 as an individual? Um, it was a lot of things, really. It was obviously <laughs> really exciting. You know, I, I had been training for that, and I graduated in 15 as well 2015 so like the year that I made it as a team I was like graduating that same month so mm-hmm. I graduated I uh, went to regionals on the team and I, I also got drafted to the grid league um, that same time right after I graduated um, so in 16 I had basically been I was coaching a lot and I had been traveling a lot for the grid and um, just kind of getting settled and so 16 was kind of like, okay, I've been training for this, and I accomplished my goal, and I'm, I don't really have any expectations because this is my first time here. They also announced um, two events that I wasn't even sure that I was going to be able to do. Uh, one was strict Nate, or, mm-hmm. uh, the muscle-ups, and I had never really done or practiced strict muscle-ups before that. And then the other one was the deadlift. I think it was 275 um, on the bar. And at the time, before they announced that workout, the most I had ever deadlift was 265 for one. (laughs) So I was I knew I had gotten stronger since then, but I was like, I I think I can do 275, (laughs) but maybe not. Um, So definitely with all of that in consideration, I had... Basically, no expectations, but was just excited to get out there and kind of just see how I would do. Mm-hmm. So when was it that you like got like a full-time coach and everything? I actually, so my first coach, um, he was on the team with me in 2015. So we were like training partners. He had coached other people. He was, uh, his name's Peter Kazanis, and he's been around the CrossFit scene forever. He's mm-hmm. done multiple teams. He's competed as an individual at regionals and then he would go on to compete as a masters at the games that next year um and we were we just became good friends and we would always train together and then once I qualified in 16 as an individual he was kind of like yeah I'm coaching you now (laughs) like he was more or less coaching me before and we like I said we would train together and he would program some stuff for me but it was kind of like yeah like this we're doing this now and um it was great, honestly. We we had a really good friendship relationship as in the gym, and just kind of like he knew me really well, and um, I trusted him. And he also had eyes on me every day in the gym, which was really nice. Yeah. So sixteen was kind of like okay, we're here. Let's see what we can do. Like yeah. four seventeen, I guess. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think I really even had that. Like at that time, I didn't really. I mean. I knew that I liked competing and that I was that I had gotten pretty good pretty fast in the sport and I was coaching I had graduated like I said and I was coaching and kind of training full time um, and was just gonna kind of see where it was gonna go 
and how I would do. And I think I surprised myself. I, I forget what I placed that year. It was like about middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. I think maybe like 19th or something. And um, I was like, wow, that was actually pretty good. And I mm-hmm. did, I, I placed a lot, much better than on some of the events that I thought I would do really poorly at than I thought. And so I think that just really like, that was probably that first experience that really ignited my fire. Like I, I really want to do this mm-hmm. and I really want to focus on training and, and just see like how mm-hmm. good I can get. Yeah. So then 17, you got seventh. Mm-hmm. What changed in that year? Uh, I think it was just not a lot changed. It was mm-hmm. just more time um, as a developing as an athlete, more time um, at training, like more consistently. I'm sure I don't remember specifically, but I'm sure we started making more tweaks and specializing my programming, better nutrition. You know, I think a lot of these things are, are a journey, and just over time, you start to refine them little by little by mm-hmm. learning what works and what doesn't, and. To be honest, that year was great programming for me as well. Like yeah. there was no heavy barbell, um, and there was there was quite a few like high skill workouts. Um, the last workout was great for me too. It was short sprint, like explosive type of like fast movements, which are usually I do well in. Um, so I think it was just like a combination of all those things coming together. Uh, I think going into that year, I still didn't really think that I was a contender to going to the games like I probably like said that I was you know just to (laughs) kind of hype myself up but I think that year going into the last day the final day I was like wow like I can do this Mm -hmm. like the first time that I really felt and believed in myself that it was possible so yeah that was that was my year so you're in California now right yep so what went into the decision to move out there um, so I started dating my boyfriend, actually, we were, um, he's, he's from and lives in California, and we met through RPM, uh, who's mm-hmm. one, both of our sponsors, uh, they bring out their athletes for a photo shoot a couple times a year, and he competed on the, um, NorCal team in 2017 at the Games, and we, we met at a photo shoot, and just kind of mm-hmm. hit it off, and we're dating long distance, I guess, for a little over a year, and it was pretty far long distance, obviously, about 3,000 miles, and mm-hmm. we basically got to a point where we were like, okay, we like one of us has to move, or we both have to move somewhere, mm-hmm. and it kind of just made more sense for me to move out here, because he, at the time, had a full-time job at NC Fit or NorCal, um, doing working for their online programming mm-hmm. essentially so and I was a little bit more flexible I was coaching a lot less and mostly just training and so I was like I can kind of train anywhere um so that's why I decided to move out here and yeah because yeah. I guess it doesn't really matter anymore because there's no more regions or anything yeah exactly that was actually when we were kind of um talking about moving that was definitely mm-hmm. a determining factor you know we were considering like what regions but to be honest, like where I lived and then the California regional are, you know, at least last year at regionals, they were arguably the two most competitive. So it was like, you're not really getting an advantage either place. Like they're both tough. Um, but yeah, then shortly after that, they they said that there's no more regionals. So that kind of took that. I was excited to move because I've always wanted to live in California. Mm-hmm. And I like this was kind of like a, a great chance to get to do it. So you, when did you start working with Brute Strength? 
I started working with Root Strength uh, right after the 2018 regional. So 17 uh, was my best year at regionals, and then 18 was my worst year at regionals. Um, and honestly, like there wasn't, you know, it's. I think as an athlete, it's easier to be like, oh, I was sick, and so that's why I didn't perform well, or I had an injury, or something like that. But going into that year, I felt really prepared. I felt as fit and strong and whatever as, as, as ever. And so I, I definitely put a lot of expectation on myself and there was obviously outer expectations too from having such a good season in 2017. And, um, I just kind of, I don't know, nothing really happened. I just didn't place super well and sometimes that's it's harder to digest things like that because I I don't feel like I competed at my true potential um but I don't even know if I had if I still would would or wouldn't have qualified I probably um yeah I don't know I just Mm -hmm. I just was kind of in a funk that weekend for whatever reason and um just kind of felt like I was not able to really tap into that competition mindset and yeah. really feel hungry and yeah it was it was definitely a weird experience it's got, it's got to be really hard when like this whole year of training and hard work comes down to one weekend totally like, it, it, it's really tough and I think that was my first time experiencing those really strong expectations and um and that pressure I feel like I've always done well under pressure and I've competed obviously my whole life and in, in cheerleading it's it's a lot more of a high risk sport I feel like because you can make one small mistake and that's it you're mm-hmm. done whereas CrossFit it's like there's not really a lot of room to make mistakes like you can make mis- small mistakes you know maybe doing a no rep or something like that and if it's like a one rep max lift that's a little bit different, but for the most part, like you're, you're going to do as well as you've trained. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think that was the first time that I really felt that strong pressure and it was obviously a great learning experience and eye opener. And, you know, that was kind of the first time it was definitely the first time that I had started competing in CrossFit where I didn't get like linearly look like I was improving, yeah. you know what I mean? So, like, every year up until that point, I had done better in the Open. Every year until that point, I had done better in the Regionals. Every year, I had done better at Wadapalooza or these, like, smaller local competitions. And so I was kind of like, this is how it's going to be. And, and I think a lot of people go through that, not even um, elite athletes, just people who are doing CrossFit in general – like they, when you start, you you get exponentially better because everything's new. You're learning, you're getting stronger, and then you kind of like you're still getting better and improving, but it's a lot harder to see. And like you said, as an athlete, you're basically just graded on this one competition. That there's so many things that are outside of your control, and that it's not really a true picture of whether you're improving or not. Yeah, for sure. So this year you did a lot of sanctional events. I did. <laughs> yep, I did. How that. many did you do? I did three. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a good amount. But though. but um, they were within the span of six months or six weeks. Yeah. Sorry. So that's crazy. And they were in, <laughs> on three different continents. And did you do so. the open too? 
I did do the Open. So um, to go back to your question before, um, after 2018 regionals, I decided um, I still had a really good relationship with my coach, and I did not, like, it, I wasn't like, oh, it's, it's his fault, or, like, yeah. it wasn't anything like that at all. It was kind of just like, okay, we've been doing this for a while now. I really feel like I need, like, a fresh set of eyes and just, like, a different experience. And in addition to that, my coach – he was moving – he had already moved from Peak to to go to another gym to be um, kind of like the manager there. So I already didn't really have that day-to-day um, eyes on me like I was used to. So in a way, it was kind of remote already. And then he was – he ended up moving to Jacksonville and kind of going um, on some other endeavors. So I think it was – it kind of just worked out the timing for both of us and – like I said, I just wanted some some fresh perspective. I had been introduced through Bruce, to Bruce Strength. Um, they did a seminar at Peak earlier that year, and I just really liked their message and the mindset that a lot of their coaches have of like, you know, this is what's worked for us in the past, but we're totally open to new ways, and and we understand that everybody's different, and so just a really open growth mindset that I really um, aligned with. So then I, I contacted them and was paired up with Nick Fowler, who's their head coach, um, and I've been working with him um, since then. And then going back to what, – what did you just ask me? I'm sorry. I wanted to – I know it was going to tie you. <laughs> no, in, it's, uh, it was about all the sanctionals and then the – Oh, yeah. So um, working with the new coach, I had a little bit of a hip injury that I was – that was kind of bothering me after regionals too, so was – took a little bit of time away from squatting and things like that. Um, and with all the changes, nobody kind of really knew what was happening with the new season. So our plan was to train up until the Open, try to peak for the Open. I had always done really well in the Open. Uh, I placed 40th and 43rd and uh, 16 and 17 – or sorry, 17 and 18. And so I kind of thought that was my – that was could be my way into the game so that was our plan and then 19.1 happened <laughs> didn't do so well on 19.1 i uh, got like 600th place uh so that was that was pretty difficult because i was like yeah, fuck, like i'm basically not going to come back from that um i i kept fighting though <laughs> yeah. just because that's really all you can do and placed way better in the, the remainder of the events, but it still wasn't enough. Even if I had won every event worldwide from there, I still wouldn't have made it oh, in the wow. top 20. Then after the Open was over and that kind of whole emotional roller coaster, that was the same time that I moved out to California also. So, so much going yeah, on. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. And um, and then also not to mention like the – my boyfriend competes as well, yeah. and so he was going through the Open, and, you know, it's just a lot of emotions weekly and, and just very stressful and exhausting, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, after the Open was over, it was kind of like, all right, now what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I hadn't done any sanctioned events before that just because of the move, and like I said, I didn't really have an understanding, and I don't think most people did, of how that was going to play out. Um I was under the impression you had to win, and I was kind of like, well, I'm not going to go to Dubai or Wadapalooza where, you know, Tia it yeah. normally competes <laughs> at, Katrin competes at, Sarah, like, yeah. I'm not going to beat them realistically in one of these events, so it kind of seemed like a waste of time, 
So, but then they kind of announced all the backfilling and stuff like that, but that was basically too late. So open was over, decided, I had to decide what to do. So I looked into the rest of the sanctionals for the year and, um, just kind of saw what was left and what was available. Um, had the opportunity to go to Brazil, which was really exciting and it was a great experience. And, but before that happened, you had to do the French throwdown qualifier and also the granite games registration was before that. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like, I wanted to ha- give myself as many chances as possible uh, with Brazil being obviously the main focus because I knew the other ones were really quick turnarounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of had this moment before Brazil and was thinking to myself, you know, should I, should I go to all of these? Should I register for all of them? And I kind of, I thought that if I didn't register and I didn't qualify at Brazil, I would probably regret not going to the other ones. So yeah. I was like, all right, we're going to do them all. <laughs> yeah, that's just, it's just crazy to me. Cause like you said, you wanted to peak for the open. Mm-hmm. Then how, like you do three sanctionals in six weeks. Like how are you, like, there's no way to peak for all three of them. Yeah, there's right. there's no way to. I felt the most prepared for Brazil, obviously, because mm-hmm. uh, that was the most time. But still, not that much time. I forget how long it was between the open and and then also the French Throwdown qualifier, which was like two weeks after the open. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so yeah, I definitely felt the most prepared for that. And then we were kind of, which a lot of athletes also experience, into uncharted waters um, after that first sanctioned event. How do you recover and try to peak again mm-hmm. in a week or two? Yeah. And so I think everybody was kind of learning that. And I think that we did the best that we could. And also, I, I wouldn't really change anything going back. So I just kind of felt like I had to take advantage of every opportunity I could this year. And if it didn't pan out, just take away as much learning experience for the season going forward. Yeah. So you, I saw you on the Buttery Bros the other week. Was that it from Granite Games? Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. Yep. What do you think about those guys? Oh, I love those guys. They're, <laughs> yeah. um, I've, we've been, I've been friends with them when they were back at CrossFit. I met them, I don't even mm. remember when, or through just coming to visit HQ. And, um, but yeah, they're awesome to be around. Yeah. I think, I don't know, they... They followed me around that weekend, and I think they're doing some sort of, like, series outside of their normal vlog, like mm-hmm. their travel vlog. So I'm hoping to see a little bit more. That was the Granite Games vlog that they posted was, like, such a fun, you know, like, hype video. Yeah. But it was, we definitely, they interviewed me, and I'm hoping to get some of that stuff out, too, because it was it was really fun. Yeah, no, that was, that was really, yeah. they're, they're hilarious. Yeah. So, all right. So, what does like a day in the life look like for you right now? Or I guess like when you're like training normally. Um, I think a pretty standard day in the life is going to be, you know, wake up, get some coffee, get some breakfast. I like to have like a pretty slow morning. Um, Do you wake like up early? Get... No, no. I've been getting up a little bit earlier. My boyfriend's working at Facebook now, oh. so he's um. We, we try to, like, go to bed and, like, get up at the same time. Um, but I, I always sleep, like, 10 hours. So oh, wow. my, the time that I wake up depends on what time I go to bed. Yeah. So, But I'm trying to get into a routine of getting up at, like, 7.30 or 8 mm-hmm. now. And 
we, we just moved too. So my schedule, my day in the life routine isn't quite a hammered out just yet, but, um, but yeah, I'm not super early morning person, but get up like a slower morning. I like to, you know, just do some work on the computer, whether that's like getting back with people, emails or planning out some stuff for my social media, different content like that. And also just planning out the day, so looking at my training, seeing how I'm going to fit uh, that in in different training sessions. I love cooking, so make a good big breakfast, and um, then I'll, um, I'll head to the gym. I just got a bike, and we're living super close to our gym now, so I'll be biking to the gym now. Mm, nice. <laughs> um, do one session that will probably be like two to three hours long, come home, uh eat obviously recover rest for a few hours and then go back for second session which is usually a little bit shorter sometimes it'll be pool or track uh, outside of the gym and then come home have dinner um go to bed and do it again (laughs) so are you like full-time competing now yeah yeah no coaching yeah i'm actually i'm i haven't been coaching since i moved out to california but i'm actually now that we've moved really close to the gym i'm gonna pick up a few coaching hours at uh NC Fit Redwood City, but yeah, that'll just be a few hours a week. Where is that? Are you like in the Where Bay Area? Where is Redwood City? Yeah, are you in like the Bay Area? Yeah, it's the Bay Area if you're familiar with it. San Francisco really. is kind of like all the way north yeah. at mm-hmm. the top of the bay, and then San Jose is all the way south at the bottom of the bay, and Redwood City is about halfway in between. So then like when it comes to nutrition, I guess, like I guess how do you eat? Like what, like what kind of things do you believe in? Like philosophies, I guess. Yeah, um... I think a big philosophy, I actually just posted about it uh, yesterday Mm -hmm. on my Instagram because I've obviously been taking quite some time away from training and tracking and kind of the discipline of when you're in competition or in season. Um, But I think that I've always had a very holistic, balanced approach to things because I think that that is what is realistic, no matter if you're a high-level athlete or just an everyday person who wants to be healthier and and live a better life um you can be really uh strict and disciplined and very meticulous but you only have so much energy to do that for so long and so you're always going to fall back to different habits that you create and can stick to so i'm trying to speak to kind of both parties not only as myself as an athlete but just anyone else like Like we were kind of talking before, any over time you have to refine these things. And so it depends on where you're starting and it depends on what your goal is. So I've always been at least mindful of nutrition and and educated on the basics of nutrition. Um, So I'm able to kind of get these like higher level things that might not matter so much to people who don't even know what they're eating or what. Mm -hmm. Uh, content like they don't know what macros are they don't know how much approximately calories are in everything um and that's that's as far as just like making sure that i'm getting in enough micronutrients adding in different fermented food to make sure you know my gut's healthy and things like that that people that are a little bit too not that they're too complex for people that with a more basic understanding of nutrition but they're honestly just not as important so they're kind of like the top of the building blocks, like where the bottom is is really just consistency, like whatever you're going to be able to stick to. And then just adding in 
you know, the real foods, like your fruits and vegetables, just trying to get as much of those in as possible, staying away from processed foods, you know, the things that we all know are Mm -hmm. healthy. Yeah. And just trying to stay consistent with that, I think, are, are, you know, kind of the 80%. And then from there, you can, okay, what's my macro breakdown, protein, carbs, fat, that and okay, what's my meal timing? And then okay, what's my supplementation? What are what micronutrients am I maybe deficient in? So it's kind of goes um, in that process. I think at like a hierarchy of of importance. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, I think that the holistic approach is is important because while you may be making healthier choices, if that stress of making those choices and like the confusion <laughs> yeah. is is higher than the benefit. It's like, what's the point? Yeah, then? exactly. You know? So, yeah. and if you feel like restricted, like, oh no, I can't have a cookie at my office because I'm gonna be fat. You know, it's like, come on, like that's that's not real. And if you had the mindset of I'm, I could have the cookie, and it doesn't matter you're probably not even going to want the cookie then, you know, it's yeah. like the, the analogy of like, you're not allowed to do that thing. Yeah. So it makes you want to do it even more. Yeah. So it's kind of amazing. Like the things we make up in our mind. Cause like you could go that way with the cookie and be like, this is going to make me fat. But then if you go the other way and you're like, I'm going to eat this piece of fruit, you don't think like all of a sudden, like I'm going to look better or whatever. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's just like weird, the mind games and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's what I posted about yesterday is that, your body composition doesn't change for better or for worse overnight. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, obviously everybody's genetics and, you know, their current body composition and their activity level, there's, you know, a hundred different factors that play into the specifics of it, but nobody's body's changing overnight. Like you could have a perfect day of eating, perfect day of working out. You're not going to see a difference the next day. Yeah. Or you could have a terrible day, not working out, eating like shit. You're probably going <laughs> to feel bad the next day, uh, but you're not going to probably look significantly different. And so I was just kind of reminding people that it's, it really, it only really matters, you know, the 90% of what you do. So if you're constantly making healthy choices and every now and then you have, you know, a treat or Mm. you skip a workout or whatever, like it doesn't matter. Mm. And vice versa, if you have shitty habits and mm. poor nutrition and one day or you make a couple good choices or work out a couple times, it's not going to make a difference. Yeah, so what did you do over the last two weeks like without working out and stuff? Well, we just moved actually from only 20 miles, so from Santa okay. Clara, which is a little bit closer to San Jose, up um, to Menlo Park, Redwood City area. So that was kind of time-consuming. But mostly I've just been relaxing Resting, uh, mm. it's kind of hard to do after so much excitement and mm-hmm. go, go, go traveling. But I think it's been really good to just reset and um, reflect on everything that's happened this year, this season, and kind of see like what changes I can make going forward mm. and just letting my body and, and mind heal. Mm. Yeah, so then when does training kind of ramp back up again? So this week was the first week back in the gym. Um, It's definitely nowhere near the volume that I was at before. I was uh, just talking to my coach and was like, I only had like four like exercises basically. Some of them might be a superset, but like four sections. And I'm like so excited to be back in that I'm like, I got to do it perfect. Like three sets of squats. Like I'm, it's like not a lot of volume, but it's, it's cool to just have that refreshed mindset and, 
looking at everything new and and focused. Yeah. So then, with that, with kind of like this whole all the everything that's been going on, what's like what's the plan? Like, how are you going to get to the games in the future? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I think I'm really excited for a lot of reasons for this upcoming season because one, because I'm not going to move across the country and I feel like a lot more settled in the place that we're living now. It's like I said, really close to the gym. So that's nice to have that, um, accessibility to just kind of go in whenever I need to versus having to kind of plan out, drive a long ways, Mm -hmm. plan my food, all that stuff. I, I felt like I was... We weren't really close. We didn't live really close to the gym before, and I felt like I spent a lot of energy and effort and stress into just planning my day every day. It was like, okay, I was sharing a car with my boyfriend, and so I was like, what's his schedule like? What is my training like? What gym are we going to go to? What hours are they open? What equipment do they have? What food do I need to bring since I'm not going to be able to come home in between sessions? And I had to make those choices every day. Mm. And so, you know, it's not like that much energy, but it's still like a stressor that that you could take that energy and put it in towards your training Mm. and just be a lot more into a routine, which I think uh, helps progress a lot more. So I'm really excited to kind of have that more stable routine. Um, Now we also know what this, how the, qualification process works more or less um and we also know all of the competitions for this season so you know i'm still planning on doing the open and i you know typically do well in the open so that's going to be you know if i if i make it in there that's great and then we'll also be able to plan ahead and plan for doing sanctioned events that are very intentional like having proper break in between Mm -hmm. and being able to look in years past, how they've programmed and like what it's like to compete there, who's competed there in the past, and taking into yeah. taking all those into consideration. I mean, it'd be pretty sweet to qualify in the open, right? Yeah, then you have like a yeah, year. that would be great. <laughs> yeah, pressure pressure off, and like you could still do some sanctioned events mm-hmm. to get some competition experience and exposure. So that would definitely be the the main priority is is getting in through the open. So, what do you think you have to get better at? Um, I think that. There's a lot I have to get better at, and I think that no matter who you are, even Matt Fraser, T. Claire, to me, like I'm sure they feel the same way too. Like that, there's just this thing in CrossFit where you constantly have to. There's so many things that you have to be good at that it feels like it's hard to have a handle on everything at once. But I think most athletes have to make the choice of what is holding me back the most and what what it needs to take that priority. We've I've talked a lot with my coach since the closing of the season and I think just all around um aerobic capacity just keeping that up um high I think that's something that can kind of like drop off easily too without without working on without working on it and I definitely felt that competing through the three competitions like I was my training volume was down a lot and I wasn't doing you know those 60 minute long you know Mm -hmm cardio pieces that help keep that base and I think that in a lot of ways that can help you in almost everything in CrossFit besides you know like a one rep max lift Um, most of the time the events are at least five minutes long which you know that's you're going to be aerobic there yeah so I think that's huge um, and can help a lot of areas I think muscle 
um, stamina is, is big for me. I've been, I've always been on the smaller side of athletes. Um, so I've put on a little bit of weight, which I think has been helpful for my strength and my one rep maxes, which are fairly like comparable to a games athlete, uh, especially for my size, but just being able to then cycle now heavier weights now that I've gotten the one rep kind of sealing up, just being able to kind of keep up with those medium to lighter weights, um, muscle stamina. And I think just a couple in not imbalances, but I think my, my pulling is a lot stronger than my pressing Mm -hmm. like upper body. So work working on my upper body pressing and then pulling from the floor has always been difficult for me. So those yeah. are just kind of like the top four things that yeah. we're really going to focus on this year. Yeah, speaking of Matt Frazier, it's really kind of scary how he talks because he's so so good and so ahead of the pack. But he's always like, I'm nowhere near where I need to be. Like, I need to get so much better at yeah. this and this. And it's like, it's just scary. Yeah, so and good. I think that really every athlete, every competitive athlete feels that way mm-hmm. because that's how they got good was by not being like, yeah, I'm good at everything. Mm -hmm. Like I don't need to work on anything. Like it's always like, no, it's never good enough. Like there's, you know, there's just that constant drive. And it also just goes to show that I think those athletes are also in it for the longest and kind of have that longevity because they're not looking for just the title or the qualification or whatever it is. It's like their journey and, makes them good is that they're just able to do it for years and years and keep getting better does the grind of everyday training like four to six hours or whatever does that ever get old um i don't really think so i mean i think that it's not always fun Mm -hmm. in a way but like in the moment necessarily sometimes it is and i think i really especially competing so much and traveling and bouncing around and not having a routine like you crave that you know, grind in a way. I, I kind of hate the word grind because that makes it seem like negative. But you miss that daily routine of just like get going into the gym and and pushing yourself for that day and and giving it your best and mm. trying to like make these incremental um, improvements every day. Yeah. Gotcha. So I think some days are worse than others, and you might have the worst day, feel worse, not perform better as good as you would like to, and it's hard work like it really is um so so in a way it's that's hard but I think that as an athlete you know what your what your goal is and you know that that's in those moments you're getting closer to that goal and I think that's the same for any anyone on the path path of success whether that's in the gym or out of the gym you know that every day writing a book if you're an mm-hmm. author isn't going to be fun but you know that what your goal is and you understand the process and you're mm-hmm. able to find the small wins and and the positivity out of each moment yeah yeah that's awesome so yeah well i'm really glad we could make this work finally yeah so, i'm excited yeah. and i'm honored to be on your podcast yeah. and uh, get to share my story a little bit yeah so yeah thank you yeah thank you so much And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed episode 70 of this show. We'll see you next time on the Up Before You podcast. Have a great day.